Doc Owens, 11. She's been staying with me for about a year, and she's about to save our asses. Maybe when this is all said and done, maybe you could help her out too, you know? Maybe you could help her lead like a normal life. One where she's not poked and prodded and treated like some kind of lab rat, you know? I don't know. It's just a thought. Yeah! Think about it. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> hey, everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Stranger Things. Today we'll be covering the ninth and final episode from season two titled Chapter Nine, The Gate. Oh, we're finally here. Yes, it's the end, <laughs> it's the end of season two. It was, it was a doozy. I know. Man, what a ride. I'm... Oh, I can't believe we made it, and and both of us held out the whole time watching it week to week. We did not binge it; we made it to the end. No and spoilers, it was so worth it. No yeah, spoilers. That's the thing. I'm surprised I got no spoilers in this. I know, and that was so hard because, man, like just three days minimum. Whenever it was released, it was like everywhere, like all kinds of spoilers, and uh, you know what had happened, and you know things like that. So that. That made it tough because it was everywhere in PN. Of course, super popular show. People are talking about it. So uh, good thing I'm a hermit and I don't have like interaction outside. Of- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <public>. <laughs> well, I think it's something with Netflix shows. There's there's no like clickbait as much because everybody's seen what happened. So I think there's kind of a, a less of the clickbait stuff going on out there. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, it's true because it's it's all out there. You know, there's really nothing to tease. Because uh, it's all there. Well, I am super excited to start talking about our top five from this one. This one was a little bit longer. They gave us an extra, what was it, an extra almost 30 minutes or I, I don't know. But it was it was like an, an extra long kind of episode there. So that was kind of cool. So I'm ready to jump into our top five. What do you yeah, say? Let's break it down. Let's get into the top five. Okay, so I'll kick it off this round. So my number five um, is Ella Returns. So we jump into right there in the beginning uh, where we left off uh, in the last episode whenever Elle had, you know, uh, unlocked the door and come in there at um, Joyce's house uh, where all the all the kids and, uh, you know, Hopper and Joyce and everyone are, are there and they're fighting off or about to fight off all the Demogorgons. They're all out there circling the house. She has taken them all out because she's a little badass now and always has. But now I think she's got some extra super skills uh, based on spending some time with her. Um, sister Kali. So it was super cool. We kind of got to see, you know, because it, it left off Mike and Elle were just staring at each other. 
so we got the Mike and L reunion. Uh, we had um, Max met L. L didn't really yes. take that so well. She got the cold shoulder. <laughs> she she wasn't having that, and there was a little bit of a disadvantage there. L knew who what well, she didn't really know who she was, but she saw that whole interaction between uh, Mike and Max in the gym when she knocked Max off of the skateboard. <laughs> um, but Max didn't know that. You know, she didn't know L had anything to do with that, and the and the boys certainly haven't really said that much about her as far as. Um, uh, you know, to give her a bad impression of her anyway. And I know she's probably wondering, well, what the hell is your problem? Um, and then Elle commenting on Dustin's teeth, you know, they're all kind of catching up. I thought that was super sweet. Uh, she's like touching his teeth and she's like, you have teeth. <laughs> I like he does this purr and she kind of like jumps back. So like even she knows his purring is like a weird thing. I know Dustin. He's so cute. He really thinks that that's so adorable. And I mean, to me, it's adorable, but I'm thinking of him as like a, you know, a cute little kid. Yeah. Um, and then we had Joyce and Elle, uh, you know, got their little reunion moment too. I thought that was really sweet that they still, you know, had their bond and their connection uh, from from season one whenever she was like kind of, you know, trying to be a little bit of a mother to her and let her know that she wasn't alone and that she had appreciated everything she was doing to help find Will in season one. So it was nice to see that they still had a nice bond. So... That was just my number five kind of lumped in, you know, kind of short and sweet, that nice reunion moment that everybody got to see Elle and uh, everybody kind of had their moment with her before, you know, they had to all break apart again. Yeah. I mean, even in that, like with the return of Elle, you had Hop, like he's seen her again because <clears throat> because it had been a little bit since like he she had disappeared. He had no clue where she was. So yep. even him in that instance, like, oh, my God, OK, she's still alive. She's not captured. Uh, so they kind of have an embrace there as well. And I love, too, it's like, you know, at first he's very aggressive, like a dad would be probably in the situation. You know, he's mm-hmm. kind of like, where have you been? And then kind of hugs her and embraces her. And you get a very touching moment, I think, where Mike confronts Hop about this. Oh, yeah. You know, Hop's like, or Mike's just going on about, like, you know, it's really early tense. Like, it's a situation of a kid who just, like, like you kept this person from, like, you can kind of tell, like, it's a, it's the love of his life kind of thing. Like, he has yeah. more than just friendship feelings for L. And, you know, Hop takes him into a room to talk just one-on-one, kind of man-on-man about it. And uh, he, he lets Mike kind of beat up on him some to, you know, show it's like, hey, dude, like, I understand. Like, I'm sorry. I did the best I could in the situation that was at hand. So I thought that was a very touching moment. You know, mm-hmm. again, you see Hop is kind of this protector of everybody, um, even though he considered himself a black hole in this episode. But, you know, <laughs> I, I think of him more as, you know, a very much a protector of everybody. Absolutely. Very good point. Yeah, good thoughts. Uh, what's your number five? All right, so my number five, uh, I, <clears throat> the only thing that I, I would probably say this episode, as I thought about it in hindsight, um, I mean, I loved a lot of the funny parts, but now that I kind of think of it, this show, it, this episode probably had a little bit too much funny stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that being said, my number five is a very funny situation, uh, and I titled it The Romance Novel. So we get a, a very attractive uh, Mrs. Wheeler, you know, candlelights all around her bath. You know, she's reading a book. And this is one of those things like, you know, husband would want to take complete opportunity for this. <laughs> Everyone but Ted. <laughs> yeah. You know, doorbell rings. You know, she continues to read because it's bath time. Like she's in the bath. Yes. Doorbell she never rings gets again. those moments. No. Doorbell rings again. Dad. Like, I was waiting for it. I was like, fucking dad, get the fuck door. Oh, my God. I was so waiting for that, too. But, you know, she, she's reading this romance novel, which, you know, in the 80s and 90s, you know, those type of romance novels were, you know, 
everywhere. They're like the Western novels of the 50s. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my mom used to read those all the time. And I used to call them pornos without pictures. <laughs> and it wasn't until like, you know, she read them. She's like, no, they're very classy. You know, they're very, you know, artistically done. I'm like, okay, whatever. Uh-huh. And one day I flipped one open and flipped through some pages. And I'm like, this is smut. <laughs> like, this is like borderline, you know, dear hustler. I never thought this would happen to me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, you know, it's, you know, on the cover, it's always some, like, long-haired, super-ripped dude, like, saving some chick from, like, Merman or something. Got Fabio on the covers, <laughs> man. <laughs> but in this whole instance, you know, she she puts down her book, she puts on a robe, you know, and she walks down, opens the door, and, you know, we get, you know, it's Hairband Billy, but I kind of feel like it's Heartthrob Billy at this point. Mm-hmm. Harlequin Romance novel yeah. Billy. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was putting on the smoozing with her. Uh, it's like, I you know, know. Saying how, like, oh, I didn't know uh, Nancy had a sister. Oh, I'm I'm Nancy's mother. No, I know. And Isn't he that... laid it on pretty thick. He did. Uh, and I love that. Like through this whole situation, like Ted's still asleep, snoring on the couch. Mm-hmm. Completely oblivious. Yeah. And you know, and she goes back. She looks at Ted. She's like, oh man, if I was twenty years younger. No kidding. But my number five is just, this was a little bit of a humorous scene, very, like, very small amount of time in here. But this is how, you know, Billy kind of figures out where everybody is, leads them there. But um, it's what I've titled the romance novel. Oh, that is really good. And that's actually uh, because it definitely deserved to be somewhere in the top five, uh, this this scene here, because it was just um, definitely memorable. And that ties into my number three, which I'll just go ahead and talk about, um, which my number three was titled Billy the Cougar Hunter. (laughs) (laughs) um, You know, like you said, we see Karen, you know, and and, I mean, she's got not just the candles and the bath going and the lights dimmed. She's got some Barbara Streisand playing in the background (laughs) from... Yeah, that's the music from The Way We Were, which is a pretty famous, if if no one has seen it, I, I'll admit I haven't seen it. I just know what it is because I know movies and pop culture and stuff. So I know what it's about and I know what it is, but I haven't actually watched it. But it's from the Barbara Streisand, Robert Redford movie, The Way We Were. Um, and, and Barbara Streisand sang that song. So that's what she had playing in the background. Uh, the book she was reading was a Joanna Lindsay uh, romance novel. And um, I'm just going to fess up and say I've read some Joanna Lindsay. <laughs> I I have read some romance novels. What? What are you going to do? You know? And and for, you cannot blame Karen Wheeler. If you are married to someone like Ted, yeah. of course you are reading romance novels. Please. If you got a guy in your life, like you should have in your life, you're not reading romance novels, okay? You don't need <laughs> so hello. Um so I can't and I mean you couldn't really blame her reaction either for being so flattered, Billy giving her attention. Cause like I said, she's married to Ted. Yeah. Do you think that man has given her a passing, you know, glance in any type of romantic way or swept her off her feet in well, like, the last however many years they've been married? Like we said in early episodes, like I'm pretty sure they have separate beds. Like, you know You're right. Like the fifties or something. You know, if if my lady came down in that bathrobe, I'd be like, hey, let's leave the door alone and let's figure something out here. It's <laughs> me and you. There's no kids in the house. Uh, I know, like, their kids aren't even ever there. So yeah. <laughs> what's what's going on? Uh, um, yeah, and I feel bad for, I mean, I guess you probably had a little bit of fun emotions, like seeing, you know, 
uh, Billy the Cougar Hunter coming in, but you know that was her private time. I'm sure she was going to take care of some things she needed to take care of, <laughs> whatever they do in the bathtub, right. and you know things that probably you know her man to take care of would probably doesn't, and uh, you know call it an evening. And she got, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing that she got interrupted. I guess in the hindsight, it's probably a good thing. You know, uh, I don't know. I don't know whether it was good or bad. I'm, I think it was probably at least good for her ego, whether or not, and which I think Billy was like totally messing with her. I don't think, you know, um, he was like really into her. I think he was definitely like manipulating her to get the information he wanted so he could find Max. Uh, but boy, he was really charming doing it. Like he really lowered his voice and he was very charming and he smiled and, you know, of course, flattered her right away saying, you know, like you said, calling her Nancy's sister and, you know, things like that. So he was definitely laying it on really thick. And But what made it so sad is she really ate it up and you can't blame her, but I know he was totally messing with her. And if she only knew what a tool he really was, she may not care, but... um that might change her perspective a little bit because man, he, he, he might have great looks on the outside, but man, on the inside, he is one mean and nasty person and he's a bit of a psycho. Um, so yeah, that was my, that was my number three as well. So, or not, I know that was your five, but that was my number three. So that's all I have to add to that. Yeah. I know you said you thought he wasn't legitimate, but I mean, every high school boy that age would love a Mrs. Robinson. So do you, you know, if- do, is that a? I feel like it's become more commonplace now, the younger guy, older woman thing. But I mean, I was a kid in the '80s, so I mean, I don't know if that was like a thing then too. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I guess it's a forever thing. I mean, like you said, Miss Robinson, that was you know, shit. What was that? Was that the '60s? It was like the '70s, yeah. '60s, '70s. Um, oh God. But I, I mean, whenever I, my dad and like his friend talk about their high school days, and it always seems like it was a thing back then too. It just was, was less it? talk about, yeah. Okay. So I don't know if it's just more okay now or more open. I'm not sure. Maybe it's just more open. Maybe it's just not. Um, yeah, maybe it's just open and people talk about it a little bit more because I feel like I never really paid attention or noticed. I guess the whole, you know, younger guy, older woman kind of thing. But I guess we just see it more. Oh, goodness. What an interaction. Poor Karen. <laughs> she got her thrill for the night, that's for sure. One way or another, she got her thrill. <laughs> yeah, it never night. hurts to get hit on. So it's kind of like, oh, well, thank you, young no. man. Here's a cookie and a phone number. You yeah. go on your way. Ugh. And then as the door closes, she just hears. I know. She's got that damn reminder. Yeah. Of, of, of fucking Ted. One more time <laughs> for the finale. Fucking Ted. Um yeah, you don't blame her for being flattered. I mean, it's always, you know, uh, you know, someone who's who's nice looking or or interesting or or something like that to show a little interest and to be a little flirty or something. That's always, you know, flattering, you know, thinking someone finds you attractive. You can't blame her. I mean, let's have some sympathy for Karen, guys. Look who she's married to. And so, she didn't do anything wrong, so she didn't do plus there. She didn't do anything wrong. She didn't flirt back. I mean, if it was me, I probably would have said, yep, I'm her sister. (laughs) I'm her older sister from college. (laughs) (laughs) But no, she did good. She did good. She was like, no, I'm her mother. (laughs) Hee, hee, (laughs) hee. So, yeah, she didn't do anything wrong. Like I said, nothing wrong with being flattered uh, by a little bit of flattery. But, um, no, poor Karen. Maybe she'll be done with Ted in the next season. Maybe that's that's hopefully like that's what Stranger Things season three is is just her like finding that she needs the real man and then just leaves 
you know, Ted and or maybe Ted finds out all the things he's done wrong and he comes back as like badass Ted. No, that would be a turn. That, <laughs> that would be would a bigger be... turn than Steve the D. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she goes to the upside down and she sees the version of Ted there. And he's a Harley riding badass. It's a whole new upside down next season. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so what do you great. Have, what do you have for your number four? Number four, I have, uh, you went into it just a little bit uh, before, um, it's Hopper and Mike. Um, kind of a, sh- a short scene. I wish we had gotten a little bit more from them this season. I know that they had some scenes together, but I don't know, like they were in the scenes together, but I don't know that they had that much interaction with each other. I thought that was such a, a, a very well acted scene by both uh, David Harbour and, um, uh, oh goodness, his name just went Finn blank Wolfhard. on me. Finn Wolfhard. Yes. Gosh, I say that you said that name so much over the summer with him and being an it and Stranger Things. You think I wouldn't forget? Um, they they did so great in this scene, and I thought it was such a great scene because then you really see like the depth of of pain and frustration that was coming out in that moment for Mike. You know, because he's at the moment not understanding. He's very angry at Hopper. You know, uh, over hiding. L and not telling him that she was there, you know, the whole time, you know, L acknowledges, you know, yes, I know that you called out for me every night. Um, I couldn't answer, but I heard you. He's taking out all of his anger and frustration over not seeing her, you know, taking all that out on Hopper. And then, you know, and Hopper's just like, you know, whatever makes you feel better, take it out on me. Don't take it out on her. And, you know, he's just taking it. He's just like, whatever, whatever you got to do, that's fine. And, you know, and Mike just keeps lashing out at him. And then you see where he finally breaks down and Hopper just hugs him. And I just thought it was just such a great scene with both of them together. And I think Mike needed that. Um you know, I don't know. You don't get to see a lot of it after because so much happens after that. But I think that he was finally able to let some of that go um, because you saw his struggle all through the season uh, and how and how he took a lot of it out on Max, too. And he's like, you know, you're not part of the group. You know, I don't know what you're doing here. You know, um, so angry that maybe all of that has finally built up and he was able to let that go. So uh, which I was happy for because I was getting a little bit irritated starting to if, if we had to see much more of of kind of stuff from Mike because I just didn't feel it was like very good for his character and that that's all that we got to see is him complaining about Elle not being around and griping at Max about it so yeah I just I just love that scene kind of woes me on that um but yeah it's kind of nice to see that you know, they're actually together now I guess yeah yeah what's your number four all right so for my number four uh this is going to kind of go into a lot of different pieces of this but uh you know we get I, th- I think it's one of my favorite things with the quote was Steve. So Steve's talking to Nancy and <laughs> he talks about how, you know, he's like, he's, you know, I'm not, I'm a pretty shitty boyfriend, but you know, I'm actually a pretty darn good babysitter. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really liked the, Like this whole thing with Steve and the kids. Again, this, this got into a few jokiness too much with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and mainly just cause you haven't really seen a ton of that throughout this season. So it kind of seemed like they saved a lot of the jokes for the end. But, you know, Steve with the kids was pretty awesome. You know, they, they talked about, you know, they're in this house as everybody has these plans. And they're talking about, like, well, they're on the bench. And all the kids are trying to figure out, I was like, well, no, like, maybe we need to do something about this. Uh, just kind of key points for this. Like, so uh, Dustin talks him into saving one of the demodogs and putting it in the fridge because it's scientific <laughs> research we have to have. That was a great moment <laughs> trying to stuff that thing in the yeah. fridge. Uh, but I mean, you see, like you know, it, 
it felt like these kids, like, listen, we've been in a lot of situations, so we think we're, we need to do something to help. And so they hatched this plan. They're going to find this point in the upside down, start a fire, and that's going to draw all the demodogs away because Mike is extremely scared for uh, Eleven because mm-hmm. she's going in there to close the gate. Right. Uh, Steve puts his foot down says, no, we're not doing this. And it's very much like I was worried they're going to, like, tie him down or, or something, you know, kind of like uh, uh, Adventures in Babysitting. Right. Babysitting. Good reference. Yeah. But it all comes to head when uh, that Camaro comes rolling up the road. Yep. You can hear it coming. Yeah. And we see Hair Band Billy walking out. (laughs) And again, just a little bit of funniness coming out. So, you know, Billy walks out or uh, Billy gets out of his car. Steve gets out of the house. And uh, Hair Band Billy's all like, is that you, Harrington? And uh, I love that Steve comes right back. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's me. Don't cream your pants. (laughs) I know. But what you get out of this, so he's, you know, it's it's straight up lying, like you know, and, and really you almost feel a little little concerned with Billy in this situation. It's like, listen, somebody's telling me that my sister's probably here, and I come here and you're here, but you're telling me she's not. Like, that's really really odd to me that my 13 year old sister could be here with you. Yeah. And Billy not knowing anything, like, that would be kind of a red flag with me, too. Like, something's not right here. Sure. And, again, you know, Billy gets caught, or Steve gets caught in the lie, too. He's like, well, she's not here. And Billy's like, well, then who's that? You know, because as the kids, they're peeking out the window. Of course. You're peeking out the window. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God, what's going on here? And as they duck down, of course, Dustin with his great one lines, you know, do you think they saw us? (laughs) Of course they did. But this tacks into like this huge battle royale between Steve and Billy. Which was a long time coming. I mean, you oh, saw yeah. how they went back and forth, you know, on the basketball court and how, you know, Billy goaded Steve all the time. And so he you know, they've already got it out for each other. And this was just building and and I mean it is kind of you know, I'm sure Billy probably did really question. I mean, he caught a lot of shit at his house for Max being missing from, you know, his dad. I mean, that was a violent situation. You know, that encounter where he's forced to go look for Max because she's, you know, missing and he's trying to find her. And then, yeah, he pops up, you know, finds out where she's at and there's Steve Harrington. I mean, okay, so before Nancy, Steve had quite a reputation. I mean, it's kind of creepy to think that he, you know, have anything to do with someone Max's age. But, you know, uh, it's not completely unheard of, I don't think. Um, But, yeah, you got to kind of, you know, you almost see his point of view a little bit. I hate to say I really kind of sympathize or anything with with Billy, but I think if I were in his shoes, I'd, you know, be concerned as well. He doesn't doesn't know what's going on. No, yeah, he doesn't know about these demodogs or demogorgons or upside down. He just knows that he had an opportunity to go out with a chick that night. They got ruined. (laughs) And so, you know, when he shows up here, it's like, okay, this is a great excuse to kick somebody's ass. Like, I've got some frustrations I need to take out, and this is how I take them out. Yeah. And... You know, the battle inside, like I, you know, if we talked about, you know, this is the second time that Steve's gotten his ass kicked in this TV show. Yeah. He and, he needs to learn some skills. Yeah, he does. And well, I thought he was going to do pretty well at first. Of course, he did take a plate to the head. So he that did. was kind of, you know, that was kind of unfair. But, you know, one rule of fighting is, you know, there's there's no there's no rules in fighting. That's right. You know, there's no che- there's no cheating in fighting. It's, you know, you got to fight to win. That's right. And in those moments when he was laying those punches, like I, I thought he was going to kill Steve. Like if he was left alone, he probably would have killed him. 
I think he would have too that or like done some serious damage and like really like maybe put him in a coma or something or, you know, really do some. I mean, he was hitting him hard and he was not stopping. But that was it, that was uh, bananas. Max comes in to, to save him, essentially, you know, puts the, the medicine in him that knocks him out. And this is where she kind of gets like her moment. She grabs the bat. And again, like, I have no clue where the show's going to go. Like, I thought she was going to just kill him. <gasps> I did, too. Like she grabs it and she's like, you know, this is you're gonna stop doing this. And I was like, oh shit, she's gonna like finish it. And he, this was kind of a little bit of a weaker acting moment to me because he's kind of under the influence. He's kind of like, oh no, and you know, she smashes it down. I was like, oh shit, she get his legs. Like, oh no, she just hit it between his legs. Mm-hmm. But even that moment, he's like, oh, okay, I, you know, I'll leave you alone. I don't really understand like how any of that really. Was a situation that's like okay, well, when I wake up, like I'm not gonna fall for, fall for this. It's not like she overpowered him at his normal. Like she just basically drugged him and then threatened him there. Right, and yeah, I kind of, I definitely see your point, and I, I kind of wondered the same. And I, th- I thought, I don't know if, if maybe it was just one of those moments, which you know, Max never really. She did kind of back down to him a lot. I mean, it's like she tried to stand up for herself, but she would always in the end kind of back down from him. And I wonder if it's kind of like that bully situation. The person that gets picked on finally stands up to the bully and it's like, I'm not taking your shit anymore and you're going to start leaving me alone or I'm going to knock the shit out of you um, or, you know, I'm going to start fighting back. And, 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 you know, that kind of turned it for him. Like, oh, he's like, oh, okay, she, she's not gonna you know be taking my shit anymore and uh you know i'll I'll leave her alone it seemed a little bit too i don't know it seemed a little too far-fetched maybe but i i wonder if that's kind of where they were going with that i mean i don't know if maybe steve gave her one of his bats and to keep at the house and <laughs> she, <laughs> she'll flash it every now and again as a reminder like uh-huh you know step out of line again i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna smack knock you with you yeah, because the end of the se- the episode, we kind of see like him walk by, and she gives him like a "Oh, I'm gonna kick your ass" look. Yeah, but that she- was very like I always like you know a Christmas not not a Christmas story a uh, no yeah a Christmas story where he beats up the bully in that one. Yeah, that makes sense because it's like oh you got the shit kicked out of you when you're just acting normal. You know that's why you're you're scared because like it's like oh this kid can actually hurt me. Mm-hmm. But in this situation is like oh well if I'm not drugged like she really doesn't have the upper hand at all. Yeah, I yeah, I agreed with that too. I think she did what she needed to at the moment to incapacitate him because uh, you know, Steve was I mean, he's not the adult in that room, uh but he was the biggest one uh there at the time uh between him and Billy and those kids weren't going to be able to do anything without either knocking him out with a bat or knocking him out with something to knock him unconscious or knock him out long enough to incapacitate him. So she used the the drug instead. Uh, but I, I, I think that that's kind of where they were going with that. I think if she had, had been strong enough or big enough to hit him and maybe, which Billy could take a punch. I yeah. mean, he was, I don't know how hard Steve can hit, but he, he got some really good hits in there and, and Billy just laughed. I mean, he just <laughs> kept laughing and he's like, is that all you got? And I'm like, oh shit, he can, he's tough. He can take a punch. And he was really, I mean, really beating the shit out of Steve. So I think that was, I think the only way that made sense at the time, I guess, was to drug him. But I think you make a really good point, you know, about, you know, is that, is that really what's going to stick for him leaving her alone? I mean, she yeah. did give him that look like, 
there at the end, you know, like, well, I dare you to say something, you know, and he just kind of keeps walking, looks at her and keeps walking away. And I don't know. I agree with you. Yeah, and I think one of the things, too, like, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think the reason that uh, Billy can take a punch, I'm probably sure that his dad's, you know, <sighs> from what we saw, I'm sure that he's not a let's sit down and talk about what you did wrong kind of dad. Yeah, that's true. That is so sad. So sad. But yeah, my number four is just really kind of going to Steve, the babysitter. Uh, he made a really great babysitter. He did. He really did. Yeah. It was really great. Um, So my number three, uh, I already talked about because that was your number five was Billy. Um, but mine was titled The Cougar Hunter. I think we've <laughs> talked about that pretty good. There wasn't a lot in that scene. It was it was pretty loaded, but it wasn't very lengthy. Um, so I think that we've talked about that quite a bit, that whole scene. Um, it's not the, the length of the scene. It's it's the uh, um, <laughs> motion in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. We'll just say yes. And um, so what? what's your number three since we already covered mine? All right. So my number three, I kind of talk about the plan and the, the plan with uh, Will and his mom and Jonathan and Nancy. So they finally figured out that, you know, he likes it cold because somehow the window was open, too. So I don't know if, if they opened it or what, mm-hmm. but Joyce gets in her head like, oh, we got to burn this thing out of it. It's like a virus. We got to make the host uncomfortable. So they take him somewhere that they don't know, They it's which is the cabin. They get all this stuff set up to basically make like a smokehouse, and they're going to burn this virus out of John, out of Will. And got fire, you got you know electric heaters, they got fans to blow the smoke on them, or the, the heat on them, and mm-hmm. they make that place hot. Like you see them all sweating like crazy. They're taking off some of their clothes because, you know, they're burning up. Yep, it's like a sauna. Yeah, and it's like a sweat lodge, too, like a sauna sweat lodge. Like, you're going here to, mm-hmm. you know, go on a journey quest, a vision quest. Or detox. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Having all kinds of, like, weird LSD post-trips. <laughs> yeah. It's, you're supposed to be sm- smoking some peyote or something in there, right? On those, <laughs> yeah. on those um, you know, find your spirit animal and those spiritual journeys, smoking some peyote up in those uh, sweat lodges. Yeah. <laughs> But what's what's crazy with like you start to see you know Joyce is Joyce and Jonathan are both kind of like okay like you know you're killing like I guess it was Jonathan more than Joyce he's going to mm-hmm. like we're killing him like he's going to die and you know I love that they flash back to to images of Bob yeah because it it kind of triggered in Joyce's heads like listen something's in my son if I'm going to save him and everybody else like it's kind of the situation like in horror movies where people don't do the right thing mm-hmm. they kind of. You know, like a situation like, oh, well, you know, my mom's a zombie, but I can't shoot her because it's still my mom. It's like, well, no, it's not. Right. So you have to do what you have to do to survive and save everybody else, as sad as it is. And I think that's probably what was in her mind. So it's like, listen, either we're going to defeat this thing inside my son and he might die or we're not going to do anything and he's going to die and we're all going to die anyway. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as she's picturing Bob, I think she's kind of seeing it that, you know, she didn't want that to be for nothing. She didn't want Bob's sacrifice, mm, call, you know, yeah. to, to be for nothing that, you know, he sacrificed himself and, you know, he was a superhero for them and, you know, got them out of the facility and, you know, um, 
And she, I think that was kind of part of it, too. It just kind of fueled, I think it fueled her quest and kept her strong because she stayed incredibly strong, yes. you know, in that scene. Because we did see Jonathan, you know, because he, you would normally, I think, expect to see the mom, you know, breaking down and not being able to go through with it. Nobody wants to see their child in in that kind of distress and screaming in pain. You know, you know, you saw how whenever they first took him to the facility, whenever the shadow monster first uh, kind of took him over and he's screaming, it's burning, it's burning. And she's just, she just doesn't know what to do with herself. And, you know, you can see her really breaking down from that point. Um, but in this, you know, it's kind of flip-flopped a little bit where Jonathan is, you know, he can't take seeing it. And it, I think it just fueled her, her drive, you know, at like we're gonna see this through. We have yes, like you said, it might kill Will, which you wouldn't. Nobody wants to see that happen, and of course Joyce doesn't. But she's, I think, seeing you know, sacrifice the one for the greater good if that's what it takes. I know she's hoping it doesn't come to that. I, I think that she's. I think she's thinking that she's positive she can drive it out of him. That yeah, it, no, it, they hold on. They hold on just long enough too, and you start to see the. It almost looks like possession uh, from like the TV show Supernatural. Mm-hmm. You see his veins just go black, mm-hmm. and you know it's very much like evil will at this point because he you know breaks the line and she jumps up to try and hold him down. Mm-hmm. He starts choking her. Yes, and, uh, you know at that point like it's just pushing and pushing and pushing, and then he just ends up you know the mind flare ends up leaving like a you know a demon, and you know in those same moments like she probably had that fear like after it leaves you know they they look at him and they're like okay like he's not moving. And in that moment, again, like, I was expecting somebody to die in this episode, and there wasn't anybody. Yeah. But as you're watching, it's like, oh, shit, like, he's gone, isn't he? But he wakes up, and Jonathan's able to get on the CB and give the call out to say, hey, close the damn gate. <laughs> yes, do it. <gasps> yeah, that was really great. I thought it was a well-done episode, uh, uh, well-done um, kind of set of scenes. Um one thing I kind of have noted is there's a there's a shot during this moment where all three of these storylines are kind of converging. So you see uh, the fire in the or you see the kids setting the fire in the upside down. You see Will, you know, getting his uh, mind flare extracted, and then you see Hop and Eleven getting to where the gate is. And there's yes. a really cool scene where you see all three of these kind of happening in motion. Um, and I just thought that was a really really cool and really well done setup. I agree. I loved how. Because uh, we had everyone finally coming together, you know, in the last episode. Everyone's finally, you know, everybody's been separated off doing their own thing, uh, having different interactions and experiences. And then finally we get everyone together only to then separate again yeah. for a good cause. You know, they all seem to have, you know, um, a, a purpose and and want to do something to help. Um, but you know, then we all separate again, but then it was kind of, you kind of almost had them together, just how they cut those scenes together because they were all working together for the same purpose, uh, trying to, trying to right this wrong, um, in closing that gate. So yeah, I agree. It was so well done, um, there in the last, you know, pieces of, of when all that was happening and seeing, you know, um, everyone's like what's happening here, what's happening there and how it's all, you know, kind of happening at the same time Thought it was really well done. But my number three is kind of the first of the three storylines that were going on at this time, and it is the plan with Will and extracting the Mind Flare. That was it. Was great. It was like a uh, an exorcism happening there. Yeah, it really um, was. Yeah, that was really great. 
Okay. My number two, we kind of went into a little bit, or, or you you talked about some, was Steve the Babysitter was is my number two. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Uh, man, I never would have thought when we were covering season one <laughs> that we'd be throwing so much love on Steve. Oh, I know. I mean, he's... <laughs> He's like one of your favorite, or at least one of my favorite characters in this show now, because you know you see the heart. I mean, he kind of he grew up in this the series, you know. Yeah. First episode, he's just cared about his image and you know getting the girl, and then he kind of realizes that you know, oh, I actually do have emotions for this girl. Yeah. And in this one, you see like okay, he's becoming more of a man and more of an adult. Like there's there's more to life than just you know getting chicks and being popular. Yeah, that's for sure. He has grown quite a bit and and that's what I really got to give credit, you know, to the Duffer brothers and all the writers and such on the show that have done such a great job with his character uh because I really, you know, I didn't hate him like I do Billy so much, but I just thought, "Man, you are a big old jerk." And I really didn't think that I would ever come to like him. And, you know, you can't I think help but like him and his character in this in the season. So, it's really great how he was so protective of the kids. You know, like he took his job seriously. He's like, I said I was going to be, you know, I was going to protect you and that's what I'm going to do. And, um, you know, he was being protective of the kids. He was being protective of Max when Billy showed up. And um, I, I like also after the, the, you know, when the kids are all in the car, Max is driving and he's in the yes. backseat and he starts to come too. And he's like <laughs> freaking out. Like, what is going on? Those Band-Aids on his face. Yes. <laughs> you know, that was Dustin's doing. Absolutely had to be just grabbing and whatever band-aids they had. <laughs> they need a spin-off series of Dustin and uh and Steve. Because like, you know, as they're Absolutely. talking, you know, Dustin's like, you know, you, you put up a good fight, but he still kicked your ass. But it was a good fight. You did good, you know. Oh my gosh. I know. You you just want to eat those two up. They definitely, you know, if it if it wasn't so uh done in a, like a corn dog way, I would love to see to see that or Steve always with these kids to see a spinoff of happier days in Hawkins, yeah. you know, as when they finally, you know, have defeated everything to do with upside down and we get to see some interaction with Steve kind of mentoring these boys, you know, and <laughs> teaching them the ways of the world. Um, yeah, that would be really great. But I really thought it was funny as he's freaking out in the car, um, how he then was protecting the kids underground too. Cause they're like, you know what? We're going in our friend, they need help and this is what we do. So do your job, do what you said you were going to do and protect us and hands him the bat. Um, I thought that yeah, was that really was great. Pretty, yeah. It was a pretty touching moment. Kind of like, here's your, you know, it's like, here's your lightsaber, you know, here's your weapon. Exactly. You know, do your job and protect us. Exactly. And then of course at the, you know, at the end before when he, you know, he's got Dustin in the car when he's taking him to the snowball. I thought that was really cute that he's got Steve dropping him off instead of his mom taking him. Yeah. That was um, cute. Yeah. And that he was giving him tips, you know, on, on girls and, you know, the whole dancing scene and, you know, you know, you just don't care. You yeah. just don't care. <laughs> you know? well, and, and what I like is he's kind of that like brotherly, you know, fatherly figure for him probably because, you know, he does his little growl. And oh, yes. Steve, you know, he's like, yeah, don't don't do that. Like, you know, <laughs> let's let's leave that be. Yes. Uh, you're talking about while they're underground. Um, one of the other funny things, there's actually two funny things, I think, that happened down there with him and Steve. So Mike is, you know, he's got the map. He's like, OK, I think we got to go this way. And you see Steve jump to the front line. He's like, no, he's like, you know, I'm going to be the leader because if any of you little shits die down here, it's going to be on me. Right. 
And then we get the great scene with him trying to come to Dustin when Dustin got sprayed because Dustin got sprayed by the same thing that Hopper did. Yes, the weird thing in the wall or ceiling. Yeah, yeah. And he goes through like this whole thing of like he's choking on it. It seems like he's actually hurt. And uh, he's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. All right, I'm good. <laughs> How funny he comes around. Yeah, that I just I loved all of that. We you covered a lot of it really well. Um, you know, talking about it previously, you know, at the house and and with the kids and how he was being protective and and all of that interaction. But I just I loved seeing all of that interaction with Steve. You know, they I think all of them have, and I know that like they really um, gotten Matazaro, and I'm probably pronouncing his last name wrong, so sorry. Um, and. Joe Keery, who play Steve Harrington and Dustin, have really good chemistry offset and behind the scenes. And uh, I think that's what made it come across really well on on screen as well. But I think there was great interaction with him and all of the kids. Uh, they all seemed to, to have a really great uh, chemistry together, and it was super fun. And so that was my number two, is Steve the Babysitter. We got to see more, I hope, of Steve next season. So... What's your number two? All right, so my number two, um, we talked about the three different storylines. I think this was probably the bigger of the three because you, know, you had Will and the the Mind Flare and the the Sweat Shack, the Sweat Shack. Um, you had uh, the kids in the under un, upside down, and I think the third one here is is the closing of the gate. Hmm. So one of the first things I noticed whenever L and Hopper get to the front of the gate is this gate has grown. Yes. Like, it has gotten massive. Scarily and so. At first, the first thing I wrote when I'm looking at this, I'm like, well, is the gate the mind flare, or is the mind flare something behind the gate? Uh, and I think as we've seen as the, the mind flare coming through, I think it's more of that the mind flare is just behind the gate. So maybe it's doing something to make the gate bigger, mm-hmm. but it's not actually part of the upside down. Like, I don't know because it's like he's. It seems way more powerful than like the demigorgons. Like we thought the demigorgon was the the big baddie of you know of the upside down in season one, and then of course this time around we get the shadow monster. You're like oh, them demigorgons ain't nothing. Uh, he seems to to control, you know the the upside down the demigorgons, and I don't know if he's like the ruler. I don't know of the upside down if there is such a thing, but. Yeah, I don't know. I was I was curious about that too, like how that, what that connection is. Yeah, because they talked about the hive mind, and I know like it had something to do with the the demodogs. So I'm not sure. Like you said, yeah, is he the ruler of the upside down, or you know, is he just like one of the main, or are is there other things in the upside down that are besides him? <clears throat> so he's like right. the only one that's found this gate opening here in Hawkins, which is scary to think about because he kept seeming like he kept getting bigger and bigger too. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just because he was so far away and like coming closer to Hawkins in the upside down or if he was actually indeed growing. Right. Uh, I love as uh, Elle is trying to close the gate. She's using all the stuff she learned from her sister to, you know, like think of something that you hate or something to motivate you to do like more with your power. Yes. And as all that's going on, Hopper's playing some defense with his uh, with his guns, you know, keeping these demodogs at bay. And so you get, like, you see the power from both of them. You see Hopper using what he's good at, and you see Eleven doing her thing. Yeah, great scene. I loved that, that whole thing. And the the final moment is she's going full dark. I guess it wouldn't be dark, Eleven. I, I keep thinking, like, her and Dark Phoenix are very, like, similar characters. 
It's hilarious. That's what I have in my notes. Is it and and maybe Dark Phoenix is more accurate, but I was definitely thinking she had a total Jean Grey moment yeah. at the end when she's closing yeah. the gate. Oh yeah. I mean, blood's coming out of her nose, her ears. I don't think it was coming out of her eyes. No, but she had like the like the her veins were popping, but they didn't look they I don't think they were black like Whenever you saw Will and the shadow monster was like fighting in, internally inside of him or whatever, you saw his veins popping. But you could see her veins popping or like, you know, stressed, you know, in those moments. Yeah, we, we've always seen her just use the one hand. Mm-hmm. And in this moment, you know, she's getting it close. She pulls out the second hand as the, the mind flare is coming closer to her. And just, just you know, that's when she just goes full 11. Like, she goes to 22 at that point. She doubles her power. I know. And shuts that gate, like, super quick. As I'm watching this episode, what I wrote down, because at this point, this is when the kids were still in the upside down. Mm-hmm. So I had this fear. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, what happens if she closes the gate and the kids are still in the upside down? Yes, I thought the same. Like, how are they going to get out? They don't know that they're there. Yeah, because I thought that's what they're going to lead into, like, the, the end of this episode is going to be like, oh, shit, you know, Mike and D- or, uh, Dustin and uh, Steve are still under the upside down because everybody gets out but those two because the dogs are coming mm-hmm. to tag back onto the Steve the D, or I guess we can't call him Steve the D anymore, <laughs> I have to call him Steve the B, Steve the babysitter. <laughs> you know, when those demodogs come in, like, he, you know, gets into a protective uh, formation around Dustin, mm-hmm. you know, because he's like, I can't get Dustin up in time, so I'm going to do whatever I can to protect him. And of course they end up running past him. But uh, like, that's the fear I had is like, Oh shit. Like what happens if they get trapped there? Yeah. I thought that too. I thought, Oh my God, they're going to close this gate. They don't know that like they've been given the go ahead. Like you said, they, they signaled from the cabin, you know, close the gate that it's all clear. And then they're still down there. And I was like, Oh my God, they're going to like totally be trapped or something. You know, what's, what's going to be happening here? How are they going to get out? It just adds more intensity. Um, to the whole thing um as if you didn't have enough going on as like you said 11 is closing this gate i mean that was an intense moment at that i mean i was like on the edge of my seat i think i was breathing like really hard and you know like oh my god that's amazing that whole scene um and hoppers you know the demogorgons are coming it's like the shadow monster calls them to like you know come take them out because and try to stop them and um you know, he's, he's, you know, shooting them at, as much as he can and trying to keep them off L because she's so focused and has to focus. She can't take her mind off what she's doing. Um, God, that was a great, great moment. Yeah, that's my, my number two is closing the gate. Did you have any extra stuff that you noticed on closing the gate that I might have missed? I Well, I didn't. I'm sitting here just looking at my notes of what I have because I didn't have it as, as one of my points in my top five um like you i noticed like she was using what she learned from her sister kali about channeling her anger you know she you saw the little flashback of how she was kind of training her um which i think just kind of points to you know i think uh, i know a lot of people didn't really like episode seven and i won't say that it was my favorite but i understand the need for it i think this is why we needed episode seven this is why it needed to happen eleven needed I mean, Eleven was powerful before, don't get me wrong. You know, she was able to do some amazing things in season one, but she didn't have to go this level. This was definitely leveling up, you know, and, 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 you know, and having to close the gate and go up against something more than just a a full-size Demogorgon. She was going against this, uh, uh, this huge shadow monster and trying to, you know, close the gate, which was a hell of a lot bigger than what it was, you know, when she opened it. 
Um, so I think that's why we needed episode seven. So anyone who, you know, who may have hated it, at least try to know the purpose that it served. And I think this is the purpose that it was, was for Kali to teach her how to channel that. So she was able to, to do this task that was presented to her, um, and teach her the things that she needed to know in order to, to focus, um, and, and dig deep. Um, I think also, I don't know really how to take it. I think I'm, I, I really kind of wanted to talk to you about it and just kind of talk it out. Cause I'm not really sure like how it could be referenced, but you know, as 11's closing the gate, we're seeing all these flashbacks. You see the flashback of Kali, you see her flashback with Dr. Brenner and he's in t- there talking, he's talking about the wound that 11 has. And I'm like, okay, so is he talking about the wound that she has inside? She has this wound because that's festering because of what happened to her. Like she's still hurt over what happened to her and, and like her being responsible for opening the gate. Uh, well, is a, that is that a wound or is the well, it being referenced like the wound about the gate is a wound and she's closing or slash healing it? Well, and that was in the the fake uh, Doctor Brenner too, right? Yes, when she was with Kali. Yes, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if whenever she makes you see things, if it's if it's you projecting it or if she's projecting it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's if it's L projecting it, then I think the wound would have been the gate. Like that's the open wound is the gate that you created. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's not, if the, if that's something being projected by by your sister, then to me that's saying that her sister knows more than she let on, mm-hmm. and there's something that they both only know about themselves. And it's and, and maybe there's another upside down thing that she's created, not just the gate. Like maybe she has a, a toll bridge out there she's created between the upside down and our world where, you know, that's where Dr. Brenner is right now. He's taking, you know, t- tokens from, you know, the demodogs to get across so they can get into our world. And so it's not as dangerous as the gate, but, you know, it's it's just a toll bridge. Interesting. Yeah, I wasn't sure how to, how to, t- I guess you can kind of take it and interpret it however you feel it fits the story but I know I hadn't quite figured that out and what that meant because yeah it was not the real Dr. Brenner it was a a projection but what was he saying was that what was 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 Kali projecting those words or was that coming internally from what Elle was feeling at the time Um, I wasn't quite sure how to take that I just thought it was interesting how they flashed to that as she was closing the gate which the gate was like a uh, an open festering wound and she's closing it so was that the wound or did she really have wounds because obviously she has issues you know from and and who wouldn't of course uh, as Hopper said bless you Um, as Hopper had said she was treated like a lab rat you know, poked and prodded and, uh, you know, horrible things done to her, separated from her mother, um, all of these things that, that's happened to her over the years and the treatment that she has sustained. And then to find her mother in the state that she's in and, and what these people have done to her, um, you know, that has made her be in this state where she can't really communicate and she's kind of cut off from the world. You know, was that the wound inside of her? Is she healing that wound inside of her as well? Like she's, because she, in episode seven, there was so, you know, Kali was so angry and trying to, you know, feed that anger into Eleven to and project that onto her. And, and when they were like going after the people that had run the facility and done all of these horrible things. And it was like, Elle was like, I feel like that was a healing moment for her to, to, you know, be like, you know, I'm not going to be like you, Kali. I'm going, I'm going to help my friends. I'm going to do good and use what I have for good, not for 
killing people that did these bad things. Yeah, I don't she know. really righted a wrong there. So, and that, and you don't really know with this show if it, if they're sprinkling things for season three or if this is you know because this season one kind of felt like there was a a lead up to a sequel, right? Whereas this one, I mean, they they had the obvious you know movie ending like oh the upside down still there, but there was nothing that really pushed that oh here's what season three is going to be about. So I don't know if any of these things sprinkled in like the wound thing is something for a future episode or if like our future season or like you said, it just was kind of talking about the gate. Yep. I think you can probably take that and run it a couple of different ways is kind of how I took it. But I just thought that was interesting. So that's really all that I had to tack on to what you were saying um, with that. It's, this is going to be our very last number one for <sighs> Stranger Things until it comes back in a couple, hopefully next year, but... What's your number one for this final episode? I'm not ready. I don't want to do. I'm sad. I don't want to do our last number one until who knows? Because we don't even know. We don't have a date. Uh, we might, we might not even see it in 2018. Uh, I so I'm. I mean, we know it's coming. We just don't know when. Um, I'm kind of sad, but my number one is Acts of Bravery, um, Ooh, and we okay. saw. Yeah, I think we saw a lot of that in this in this episode where you have Hopper taking on the demodogs to get to the gate. Uh, is they know they have to go down that big hole in that uh, uh, I don't know what the hell that thing that drops them down in into the into where the gate is. Uh, but he's just like you know you see him take that deep breath. Uh, and you know, he's ready to start firing because the demon dogs are all surrounding that hole and they're all right there. Clearly they're outnumbered. And even just going back to the facility to begin with, he knows, I mean, they just left that place not that long ago and the place was crawling with those things everywhere. So the act of bravery that Hopper continues to show, you know, throughout this episode that he has done throughout the season as well. I just love, love to see. And, um, then you have the kids, they're all rallying together. They're determined to help their friend, uh, you know, to try to help them, you know, try to help L, try to help, you know, Will as he's fighting his battle with the, sh- you know, the shadow monster. So they decide to go underground. Uh, they have absolutely no idea what they're going to encounter, uh, but they, you know, they're determined to help their friends. Um, and it's kind of like, wh- what would they have done had, uh, you know, what were they going to do to try to get around you know, if, if Billy hadn't shown up and knocked the crap out of Steve, what were they going to do to try to convince Steve to to go? Or what were they going to do to Steve? Were they going to leave? Him, were they were they going to tie him to a chair? That would have been and, my, like, yeah. <laughs> but like, sorry, Steve, we love you, but we're going anyway. Um, so it would have been interesting to see, you know, how that would have turned out had Billy not shown up uh, to to knock Steve out temporarily for the kids to be like, you know, okay, you know, he has no choice in the matter. We're grabbing the keys. We're out of here. Um, so that was, I think, an act of bravery for them uh, to do that. It seems like those kids are always ready to rally and help a friend out. Then you have Joyce and Jonathan and Nancy taking Will to the cabin to drive the shadow monster out of Will. That was certainly an act of bravery. You didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know if it was going to kill Will or wh- or if it would even work. Um, you know, that was just something, again, Joyce, who always gets, I think, underestimated with her intelligence and how smart she really is, you know, coming up with this plan of what we need to do uh, to to help Will. So I think that was an act of bravery in of itself. That was, I mean, certainly pretty scary. And then, uh, of course, the really big act of bravery was Eleven facing the gate and risking herself uh, to save everyone. And um, I just, I, I think we've seen lots of bravery throughout. I think it's been quite a theme throughout the whole series and not just this season. 
but there were some really big moments because you didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know if it was going to work. And it was pretty scary, pretty scary circumstances that they were all jumping into. So that's my number one. And probably I'll just tack on to that as well. My number one and acts of bravery. I wasn't wanting to go too much into the the very end that we get into, but I think another act of bravery Dustin asking all them girls to dance. Oh yeah. Talk about that brave. Was brave and heartbreaking at the exact same time. Yeah. I have it in my notes, of course, that you know, I'd like to jump in. I didn't have it as one of my top, and so I have a lot of the stuff in the notes uh for the after um, you know, after all this comes about. But I feel that was extremely brave. That boy got pumped and you know, with the help of Steve you know, pumping him up and giving him some confidence. Um, you know, that was brave. That is not an easy thing to do to, you know, ask a girl to dance. And, uh, he did it several times. And I mean, of course he got shot down, but it paid off in the end, I think. So I think that was a big, big act of bravery as well. So I'll add that to my number one. Yeah. I've, I've made that the only thing that like I very much relate to Dustin, like asking the girl and being like, "No, like why would I dance with you?" Mm-hmm. Like because I'm a nice guy. And, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, would like to meet your mom and. Uh, but I never had like the older Nancy come up to me and be like, "Oh, hey, kiddo, why don't you dance with me?" So I mean, I felt like that was a really like you know at his lowest because like he tried like you said three or four times mm-hmm. and you know she came back as like, "Hey." Because, I mean, she probably sees it. She's like, you know, I know what those girls are thinking. Like, I was thinking that. Like, I want the Steve. and But really what I want is the nerdy Jonathan. Mm-hmm. So she kind of sees, I think, a little bit of that. Totally. Really good comparison. Yeah. Yep. So that's that's my number one. What, uh, Sean, what's your final number one for this series season until season three? All right. So that kind of, like, yours kind of leads right into mine. My number one's the snowball. Um, what I, you know, I've got a few little tidbits on this. So one of the things I thought was cool is, you know, as the kids are all getting ready and it only, I think it was only Mike's mom that did this, but just like at the start of the season, at the (laughs) end of the season, we're getting pictures. Yeah. She's taking pictures of them and making them, you know, look good for the camera. Um, so I thought that was a good little tie in. Um, you mentioned it just a little bit, Dustin's hair, you know, he was flipping out because he couldn't find whatever he had gotten. And uh, he got the product that Steve had suggested. Got the Ferris spray. Yeah. Got to see it in all of its glory. Um, Steve, you know, pumping up. Dustin, you kind of mentioned that a little bit. That was kind of a cute little moment. Um, I thought when Steve saw Nancy, um, I thought Mm. that was kind of a, you know, I'm not really over you. No. Um, So I'm kind of curious what's going to happen. I feel like he knows that her and Jonathan are kind of together now. That's the gist I got. (laughs) But are they? Do you think Jonathan and Nancy, did you get that or did you just, I don't know that I know that. I I don't know. I mean, it kind of felt like when he said, like, it's okay, go with him mm-hmm. to the cabin. That was kind of like, I know you're not interested in me anymore. You might be interested in him, but you're, you should go with him and not stay here with me kind of thing. But yeah, I don't know if they're actually together or not. I mean, it's it's probably a pretty good, reasonable assumption to think that they're together. They did have that, you know, glance across the 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 room there. She's serving punch, and he's taking the pictures. Um, but I was just like, well, do we know that? Do we know that they're together? I mean, they just had a glance and a smile, and they had that before, and they weren't together. 
I think she needs to take a step back and figure out what she wants for sure. Yeah, <laughs> she, yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe she's had a month. I mean, we know that this was a month later from from those events whenever Elle uh, closed the gate. So maybe she's had some time to step back and think about that. But I think Nancy needs to just step step back for and think for a moment. Well, I mean, she just needs like a six months where the world's not about to end. So she can kind of like focus on herself. Give her a little Nancy time (laughs) and see, you know, really find herself and not be wanting to, you know, take these trips to see these creepy dudes that, you know, are conspiracy (laughs) theorists and make out with, you know, this guy because you had too many tequila shots. Exactly. Nickel. Right. Um, I thought there was more dancing going on, like when they first open up the the like when they first show the snowball, than any junior high dance I've ever been to. Um, like yes. all the junior high dances I went to, it's the guys on one side, girls on the other, hands in your pockets, and everybody staring at each of, other. Yeah, just a lot of awkward standing around. You're you're exactly right. One of the the comparisons I thought was interesting is you know when you see Steve look at Nancy, I kind of think you see Steve and Dustin are in the same boat. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Jonathan would be considered a friend to Steve, but it's the fact that the girl that you really want is with somebody else. Because, um, you know, you see Dustin seeing Lucas and Max dancing. And, like, his thoughts is, like, that's that's why I got dressed up was to, you know, for her. And then he's got to kind of try and find something else. Yeah. Man. Uh, touching moment, like you said, with Nancy telling uh, Dustin that he, uh, he's her favorite of of his friends, of her brother's friends. I know. Uh, made me so, smile. Yeah. Other quick hitters, Joyce and Hop, you know, they're sitting there. Um, he said something about, like, I think Mr. Cooper retired back in the 70s, so he should be okay. <laughs> yeah. Sharing a cigarette again. Um, you know, I thought that was kind of a cute moment. Like we talked about earlier in this episode, the series, um, we thought Hop had a thing for Joyce. Mm-hmm. So, and this was a very, this was more of like a friend being there for a friend. Um, but I'm curious to see what's going to come of that next season. Yeah. Um, I don't think then, it was the first time that they've shared a cigarette out in the parking lot in the, at the no, school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And last you have, well, you have Ellen Mike, uh, you know, she shows up looking fancy and, he asked her to dance, and I love the lines like, well, I don't know how. He's like, well, I don't either. Do you want to figure it out together? Which is kind of what relationships are at that age. It's like, well, I don't know how to be in a relationship. Do you just want to try and figure it out together, and we'll go from there? Exactly. Yeah, really good good insight um, and on that. The, the very last thing is we just we get to see everybody kissing. Lucas and Max get to kiss. Elle and Eleven get to kiss. Um, or no, Elle and Mike get to kiss. Uh, well, I guess it's just those two that kiss. Now that I think about it, right? Yeah, Nancy so was not ba- kissing yeah. on Dustin. <laughs> I kind of thought she might give him a little peck on the cheek. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, we don't see who will. He's dancing with some girl that calls him Zombie Boy, but uh, they don't kiss. But you, know, you get to see a few people kind of locking lips, which you know you kind of like to see those relationships starting to grow. Yeah. Well, that was a really great moment. I mean, I don't know who this little girl was that came up to to Will and asked him to dance. And I like how she kind of joked and said, hey, zombie boy, want to dance? And it was so hilarious. You know, Mike's like, dude, go. You know, why are you just standing there? Don't look at me. Just go. You know, that's what he's like thinking and trying to communicate silently. He's like, what's wrong with you? Go. Um, You know, I thought it was super adorable. Um, I, I think that was a big impact and that girl you know I think will really help turn things around for Will because we saw how much he got picked on in the beginning of of the season where everybody was calling him zombie boy in a really mean way and he was having a really hard time at school with what had happened and stuff and people you know just kind of like 
oh, you're a weirdo, you're a freak, you know, that whole thing. Um, so I, I really love that. I, I was so happy for Will that, you know, it looks like it's kind of turning around for him as far as the, his reputation at school, which he had absolutely no control over, you know, what happened and stuff. He's just trying to deal with it. Um, so I, yeah, I really like that moment. Gosh, what, I'm going to go through my notes because you covered a lot of my notes. It wasn't really anything in my top five, but it was definitely a lot of my notes where, um, they were at the snowball. Um, I'm kind of sad we didn't get Mr. A lot more Mr. Clark. We only got sprinkles of him. Yeah. He was kind of helping out at the snowball. That's really it. Yeah. Um, he was super cute, you know, talking about how adorable Dustin was, you know, Mr. Snazzy, um, and dressed up. I thought that was adorable. Uh, so I really kind of missed Mr. Clark. Uh, I think he's such a great character. Um, you mentioned the, uh, you know, we see Mike getting his picture taken again was kind of reflective of the the beginning of this, the season, uh, when they're dressed up in their Ghostbuster costumes and his mom's taking pictures. And, um, he's like got that disgusted look on his face. Cause you can tell he does not like having his picture taken and he's just irritated his mother for making him do it. And it comes across so funny, uh, whenever he's having, uh, or whenever we see his snaps being taken in it, it's hilarious to me because that is so me. Uh, and still to this day, you know, when my mother wants to take pictures of us as a family, like, oh, let me get a picture, let me get a picture. And I'm so annoyed and I will make the same kind of face all the time. I'm so irritated. <laughs> make my mom so mad and have since I was a kid because I'm like, oh, just take the picture already. Why do you have to take 10 pictures? Just take one and let's get it over with. <laughs> I hate having my picture taken. So I totally relate to Mike and uh, his displeasure. I really got a kick out of Dustin and his Ferris spray. That was awesome. I would love to know how they got their hands on that. I don't know if it was the authentic, but somehow they got a hold of that label. Even those labels are hard to come across by. So curious how they got a, got a hold of that. That was super cool. Um, you mentioned how sweet Nancy was with Dustin. I think his social points went up big time when everybody, you know, because he got spurned by that one Stacy girl. I don't know her last name, but I think that they talked about her in the beginning when they were like, even Stacy, what's her face showed up to Will's funeral? Or what if she showed up oh, and, yeah, or, you know, yeah. was crying at Will's funeral and stuff? And um, so, I mean, I think his social points went up big time uh, with Nancy uh, asking him to dance because, oh, he's dancing with a high school girl and Nancy's popular and... um that moment i think steve still loves nancy i'm interested to see what happens next are nancy and jonathan dating steve still loves her do we still have a love triangle happening here um mike and Eleven's kiss finally that happened because you see lots of moments or well maybe not lots of moments but you see you i feel like there's a couple times where it was getting ready to happen and it got cut off so we finally got to see that um i really liked the and I'm kind of going into my notes a little bit here. Did you want to say anything else about your number one before I keep going into my notes? Oh, no. go Yeah, go with your notes. That, that's okay. all I had on the, the uh, uh, what was it called? The, the snowball. Yeah. Okay. So I'll just keep on going with my notes and then we'll go into your notes if you have some. I have a lot of notes because there was so much. I feel that we could have probably had almost almost a top 10 probably a little bit. There was so much that happened in this in this. Um, finale uh i really liked whenever hopper and 11 got back to the facility and they ran into dr owens in the stairwell and his persuasion technique with doc owens to help 11 <laughs> that yeah was, that was pretty pretty awesome it was really great i mean and seeing uh dr owens face as he meets 11 and he's like holy shit she's here she exists uh i think he was somewhat intimidated by her because he knows what she can do he knows what she's capable of um, but I really liked uh, Hopper and his um, 
his talking to Dr. Owens and saying, you know, she's going to save all of us. How about you help her after, you know, thought that was really great. a very like eye-opening thing for the doctor too. He's like, well, shit. Like, if this guy's been keeping this from me for this long, like, what else? Like, mm-hmm. this dude's a lot more badass than I thought. Yeah, right in his own backyard. They weren't very far. I mean, he was keeping her, you know, local. So, so yeah, really good point. Um, and then we got to see that payback in the end. Doc Owens got a birth certificate for L, showing yeah, Hopper cool. as the dad. Jane Hopper. Jane Hopper. So that was super cool. Um, and whenever he sat down, he offers him, doc, or Dr. Owens offers Hopper half of his sandwich. He's like, hey, I'm not going to eat all of this. Um, you want half? And Hopper says, no, I'm on a diet and pushes it away. I laughed because I thought, was that a reference to his diet and his workout that's, for Hellboy? Uh, that's exactly what I thought, too. <laughs> yes. Great minds, Sean. Great minds. We are one mind for sure. Um, but I thought, oh, that's hilarious. Like, was he at that time getting ready to start his training? Because, you know, they got to train for however many months or whatever oh, if you yeah, got to. Because yeah. he's pumped. Uh, and I know we've said it, guys. But, again, listeners, uh, if you haven't checked out David Harbour, uh, you know, in his – I don't know if he's still maintaining that shape or if it was just for the movie. But if you haven't checked out how buff he's gotten uh, for, for that role – uh, you should check it out. That man did some work, and he ain't no spring chicken. He's like forty three, I believe. Um, that's hard to do at that age to to make that kind of commitment and to get that ripped. And he did it. But I thought that was funny. I thought, oh, are they getting ready to start filming or getting ready to start doing his training? And he's talking about being on a diet. Of course, that didn't last because he did take a bite of that sandwich, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come on, just one, one, just a couple bites. It's okay. Um, then I really liked, you mentioned it a little bit, uh, the kids in the upside down, Dustin and Dart Yeah, had their moment. Now that look. Was, uh, yeah, that's the note I have. I almost put that in one of my five. I know it was almost big enough for me. Look, I am a huge animal lover and I know that this was a demogorgon, a demodog, whatever you want to call it. I love all animals, evil or good. And to see what happened to Dart, because we saw whenever Eleven closed the gate and all the the demodogs started falling uh, from where they were climbing the sides there. Um, and then you see Dart, you know, after yeah. they'd had their moment and, and he's like, you know, bringing him in with the three musketeers and everyone's able to get around him. And you can see that they still have, yeah, he's still kind of bad and he seems kind of unsure, but he seems to remember Dustin. He remembers the, the, the three musketeers. And um, I thought that was such a touching moment. And then to see at the end when what happened to all the Demogorgons, I cried. I cried over Dart. Oh, yeah. I got a little teary eyed there, too. Like you see Dart sitting there with that nougat packet right in front of him. You're like, oh. Dart didn't make because I, I was just thinking like oh well maybe Dart made it and it was just things outside of the upside down right and I was like nope Dart Dart's gone too I know I was I I cry I mean it was, it was like such an emotional there were so many things happening and it was such an emotional moment L had just you know went to extreme measures closing that gate and and was completely exhausted Hopper holding her there at the end the demo dogs falling from the sides and then it flashes to Dart because it wasn't just those demo dogs it was all of them and you saw him lying there and I was crying I know he was a demogorgon <laughs> but I can't help it I'm an animal lover and I don't like to see any animals dying that really got me um we got justice for Barb I, yep, Barb was buried. Um, so the um, I forgot what his name was, but the conspiracy theory guy kind of you know, <laughs> was able to you know fulfill his side of the bargain. I love him sitting there as the 
um, facilities getting shut down. He's just waving at all the, <laughs> you know, the army guys driving by drinking a beer, and they're just giving him the finger. Like, that was know. a great little f you. It's hilarious. Because you hear uh, people talking about because that's what they basically say. Like the government uh, officially said that yes, there was a leak, and that's what killed Barb. Mm-hmm. Because you hear people reading the the letters that they had sent out. Yep. Yep. Facilities shut down, locked up. What does that mean exactly? And uh, hear about the town where nothing happens. I thought, damn, they could be talking about my town. <laughs> I'm living in Hawkins. <laughs> nothing happens in this town. Um, and then, yeah, just as for Barb, I, I know lots of people were so upset that that's how it ended for Barb in the first season. And the Duffer Brothers had promised that, you know, there would be justice for Barb without giving any spoilers before it was released, of course, um, that, you know, there would be justice. And I think people would be happy. And I think that that we got that. And that was great as well. Um, kind of a, a nice little, nice moment that we got that. So, and then of course we got the end. Uh, you know, we had the snowball scene, and it pans out to the outside of the school. And um, then what do we see? We see the uh, school. See, yeah. <laughs> see the school in the upside down with a big old mind flare just hovering over it, which. You know, they creepy. did that in this episode too, or earlier in one of these episodes at the end where they kind of start tilting the camera mm-hmm. and it flips whatever you're looking at upside down. I just, I love that they can play with that because I always love that imagery. I know. It's very much like a Resident Evil, like when we talked, no, not Resident Evil. Uh, oh, what's well, Silent Hill? Like we've talked yes. about where it kind of relates to that. Yes. Like another dimension type kind of thing. Like you're there, but you're not there. Oh, creepy. That was a, that was a true creepy moment uh for me and seeing that thing looming over the school like that it was very menacing uh very scary um so i have a question though what do you think we didn't talk too much about the i mean we we did a little bit i think we touched on it but the scene between hopper and l whenever they're driving to the facility they're having their moment and uh what do you think about l not telling hopper about her half sister and what happened while she was yeah, gone was- uh, I kind of figured she'd kind of, because, I mean, she goes through the fact of, like, uh, you know, she went to see her aunt, and that was kind of like, well, you went there. He's like, yeah, I drove in a truck. A truck? He's like, yeah, big truck. So he's he's like, okay, you you, you went, like, hitchhiking. Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, well, because I think he thinks that her aunt's the one that dressed her like that. Yep. Uh, but I think it's just like, you know, any father-daughter or any father-child relationships, like, you know, you don't really want to tell your dad. Your dad probably doesn't want to hear every single detail of things that you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of one of those things like, okay, I know you're safe. You've admitted to me that you made a mistake. It seems like you've learned from it. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <clears throat> of the moments from that that uh, piece where they're driving, it's only really the last two notes I have. I thought it was funny when he Hopper says, like, well, I guess we broke our rule. And I was like, yes, they broke the Shania Twain's rule. <laughs> The don't be stupid <laughs> rule, and they broke them. Right. But the touching thing is he he mentioned Sarah, which I, I don't remember if he's mentioned her name before. Mm-hmm. But as he's talking about her, he can't say that she's died. She just says that she was taken away from her. And I she's know. Gone. Yeah. And I really noted that that was kind of like a, you know, just like he can't get over the fact that she's, you know, she's actually passed away. And mm-hmm. I don't know if he's even really, I don't know. I just don't know if he's come to grips with that yet. Yeah. But he does tell Joyce um, later in the episode about how, like, they, you know, it's true what they say. Each day it gets a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I was kind of – I don't know if it's really 
her not telling him about Chicago was just kind of like, well, I've kind of already told him enough. I don't really need to tell him I was in Chicago too. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious if, if you know, because that's a bombshell. If he knows there's another one of, you know, another, another number out there, like what do you do with that information? Right. Yeah. Does she think that maybe she's protecting her by not like not telling Hopper or is that going to somehow come into play next season? Will we see more of her and more of that story? Will we see more numbers, more kids? Yeah, probably. You yeah, know, I think that's probably her protecting him. Yeah. So I, I just, I wondered, I thought, well, why? I mean, cl- clearly she's holding back. So um, I was just curious what, what you, what your thoughts were about that and why she may not have told Hopper about that. Um one other last little note that I had, because there are just so many notes, um, was the title of this episode, The Gate, reminds me of that 80s movie. I've talked about it before. This was like, a, it was horrible. It was a horrible movie. It was not, it was not like this. It's probably people are like, what are you talking about, The Gate? We never heard of this. Um, if you were my age in the 80s and you had HBO, you know what I'm talking about, Um this and I won't really tell too much about what what it was about, but it was kind of similar to how, you know, um, well, obviously the name of the movie is called The Gate, so you can kind of figure out a little bit about what happens and how it kind of relates a little bit to Stranger Things and and the gate that we have uh, in the series and how it was opened and stuff. Um, but you know, I don't know that if that was inspiration for them at all, the Duffer Brothers, or if it was just kind of a quinky dink because that's kind of what it was about. Uh, or, you know, what the series it was about and what this episode was about. But just a, a little callback for anyone who might remember that cheesy 80s movie um, with those creepy little dudes that uh, I think gave me nightmares and I swore lived under my bed when I was a kid. So what other notes do you have, Sean? Because I think I gave all of mine. Yep, those are just my last two notes I had. You kind of covered all the stuff that I had. So, I mean, it was a really jam-packed episode. Oh, it was. And, you know, it was a... I really like that this, you know, like they kind of look like movies, like they consider this like a sequel, not a season two. Right. Exactly. And I like that this was a very condensed, you know, almost like a long TV movie, a long uh, movie. And so I thought they handled it really, really well. They did. I, I, I'm really anxious now that I, cause I just watched um, this episode prior to us recording this um, episode of the podcast. So I'm interested in going back and doing a rewatch and kind of doing it. I don't know if I'll actually have time to binge the entire um, uh, season in a day or so, but I'm interested to at least try to go back and binge a little bit and just see, you know, how it plays out. Because I think the first season uh, kind of does that. They, they kind of, you know, uh, uh, mirrored it after a movie. It wasn't like a, a series. It was more like a movie, like an eight-hour movie. And I think they kind of did the same thing with this one, like a nine-hour movie. So I'm, I'm interested to kind of go back and... Uh, you know, watch it several episodes at a time and see how it all plays about and see if I have any kind of different perspective on it um, doing that. So I don't know. Need more time. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough time to do all this stuff and watch these shows. Okay. Because uh, speaking of, because we have news coming up if you're done with your notes. Yep, uh, I think I'm ready for some news. Yeah, because speaking of news, if if anyone happened to miss our last announcement, because we may not have so much time, because we have, we're going to be covering another show. Yes, we are. Comes out on the 29th. I don't know if it might be a show that some people have heard of. Maybe. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I hope anyone that's listening has heard of this show. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, because we're going to be covering it. If you haven't haven't heard of it by now, we're going to mention it again. Um, we're also going to be covering um, the Netflix uh, TV series Black Mirror. Um, it will be season four coming out on December the 29th, as Sean mentioned. So um, be watching for that to be coming out. Uh, we're super excited to be covering it. If you haven't you know, seen Black Mirror yet, I highly encourage you to go watch it. You don't have to watch it from season one to catch up to season four. It's an anthology. If you don't already know, you can jump in and watch any episode of any season that you want. And it's not, you know, going to follow up, you know, one particular story or stories or people, characters or anything like that. Super interesting. If you haven't already seen it, um, I highly encourage you just to go check it out. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun covering it. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm all the way through season two, so I probably won't finish season three by the time season four starts. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those things that, you know, a lot of thought provoking stuff. Um, and it's going to be coming out in the same feed, so you don't have to worry about trying to find, you know, a different podcast. It's going to be here on our Strange Indeed feed. So next week, you should just see another episode pop up, and you might be like, hey, wait a second. There's no Stranger Things going on. They just covered the last episode. Yeah. Well, because we're going to be covering the Black Mirror episode. So I'm really, really excited for it. Yeah. And if you follow us, you know, um, on social media, you know, we'll definitely be, you know, posting about it and reminding everyone, you know, as Sean said, obviously there's no more Stranger Things episodes, um, which it's not like they came out week by week. We just covered it week by week. Um, but, you know, obviously since this is the finale, um, just be watching for that. Uh, we'll definitely be posting stuff. And we really hope that you guys listen because we're really excited to talk about it. And I think it's uh, some good stuff to talk about. So... On with the rest of the news. Uh, Sean, you want to kick us off with the first one? All right. So this is from Creation Entertainment. So Stranger Things captured everyone's attention when it debuted in 2016 with amazing performance, intriguing mystery, and its Steven Spielberg, Stephen King vibe, drawing on 80s culture, horror, and the all-too-familiar experience of being a nerdy kid. The show managed to be fresh and exciting while feeling familiar and relatable. There's no way we at Creation will ever look at Christmas lights the same way again. We couldn't be more excited to bring you StrangerCon in Chicago, a convention that celebrates the show we love so much and the people who make it what it is. Headlined by breakout star Millie Bobby Brown, we bring you the stars of Stranger Things off the screen and in person for two days full of excitement, music, and fun. Meet your favorite actors from Stranger Things and interact with them in ways you never thought possible. Don't worry, we didn't invite the Demogorgon or Shadow Monster. The con will be held on Saturday and Sunday, June 23rd through the 24th in 2018. I just kind of looked at their site, and it looks like they're going to have Millie Bobby Brown, Noah Schnapp, Joe Carey, who plays Steve Harrington, and Shannon Purser, who plays Barb. That's who they have so far, but they're going to be adding more soon. That is super cool. I came across that, and I thought, oh, my gosh. Now, you know, and just as a disclaimer, uh, we don't work for them. We haven't been asked to like promote that. I just thought it was super cool because, obviously, if you're listening to our podcast, you are a fan of of the show, and I feel like it's, it's our purpose to help – um, you know, let you guys know of these things that are that are coming about. If they're making appearances or something new like this has come about, and you're interested in in meeting them and going to this convention, it sounds very. I mean, they call it Stranger Con, so it seems like it's very Stranger Things centric. All things to do with Stranger Things, and I thought that was super cool for anyone who's a big fan um, of the show and wants to meet 
um, you know, the stars. Cause I don't see them do, I see sometimes Millie Bobby Brown. I see a couple of the kids sometimes doing a couple of different cons out there. Um, but I haven't seen, uh, some others. So this I think is super cool. So if you are in Chicago in June, um, be looking for that. I think that'd be super fun. I'll have to see, um, what my schedule looks like. <laughs> Well, we need to drop them a note. They have a, a masters of our uh, master of ceremonies for Stranger Con, and there's nobody showing it. So I think maybe we need to drop them a, a message to be like, "Hey, hmm. we, we might be perfect for this." You know, Sean, you have the most brilliant ideas, <laughs> and you don't get enough credit for that. So I want I want to make sure <laughs> that it's it's publicly said. I definitely think. No, we need, we need, they should, I mean, I'm cool with reaching out to them, but they should be reaching out to us. I think we're pretty That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm still a little irked. We didn't get asked to uh, host the beyond stranger things show. Um, maybe this will make up for it. Maybe <laughs> we can, um, that'd be super cool. Um, yeah, but regardless of, of anything like that, I would definitely like to check out going. I'm, um, within a decent distance of Chicago, so that's not that's a very quick flight for me to jump on. I'm not driving. I don't do road trips, people. Uh, <laughs> it's got to be a great experience for me to do a road trip. Sorry, get me in a car. I get car sick. Um, but it's a fairly short flight. I think that would be super fun to check out our schedule. Let's talk yeah. offline, Sean. I like that idea. Yeah, let's do that. Cool. Yeah, I'll be looking for us, folks. Uh, I'll, I'll, we'll try and keep everyone well informed, even if we're not currently covering Stranger Things, because it's coming up in June. We'll try to post more stuff about it as, as we learn, if you guys are interested. Um, or reach out to me um, on social media, and I'll get you guys some information if I have it. So the next article that we have is from The Hollywood Reporter. So breaking news, just before, as I'm posting all of this stuff and digging for some news to talk about um, for, for Stranger Things... They're going to do a Mad About You revival. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I saw this and I thought, how perfect timing that this happens to pop up on my news. And it had nothing to do with Stranger Things or just a pop up on Hollywood Reporter. So, yes, Paul Reiser, who we know and love um, as Dr. Owens on Stranger Things um, and Helen Hunt will be attached So almost two decades after its seven-season run wrapped, producers um, are eyeing a potential revival for NBC's beloved Mad About You. Sources confirmed to The Hollywood Reporter that the independent studio has had informal talks for a potential eighth season of the Emmy-nominated comedy that starred Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt. No deals are in place, and network is not currently attached, and Sony TV declined to comment. So both Paul Reiser, who co-created the series alongside Danny Jacobson and Hunt, would return for the revival. And NBC, which aired all seven seasons of the comedy, is not currently in the mix for the reboot, which would be set in the present day. And it will follow Paul and Jamie in the wake of their 17-year-old daughter Mabel's college acceptance. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. So I'm super excited about that. I was a big fan of Mad About You. Uh, you know, whenever it aired, I watched it all the time. My kid loved it all the time. Um, just loved them so much. So that, that made me super excited and I thought it was super cool. Um, since Paul Reiser, uh, you know, we got to see him in uh, stranger things and, you know, obviously this was, um, a big show for him and it was great. So, All right. So so that's all of our news for this time around for the finale episode. We're going to jump into letters from the Upside Down. One of my favorite parts um, that we get to talk about is our listener feedback. Um, Sean, why don't you jump in with the first one? 
All right, this first one's from Steve Brown. So Hopper and Will's interaction in the cold open was great. David and Finn did great acting. Hairband Billy hitting on Nancy's mom. Ooh. I think <laughs> I think Steve understood that Nancy and he are not meant to be together, even though he sees sad at the end. Doc Owens is alive. I love most of all that the Duffer Brothers did not leave us with a cliffhanger, just the obvious one that the Mind Flare is still alive and wants to get into our world. Notes. Even though the group is dispersed, they are together in purpose and mission. The Steve and Billy showdown was great and Max to the rescue. The Dustin and Steve friendship is shown again. Dustin comforting Steve about losing the fight, convincing Steve to help. Steve in the tunnels and in the fight with Hairband. It was amazing the plan to draw the Demodogs away worked. The smoke monster that came out of Will went back through the gate as it closed. Oh, I guess I didn't notice that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Snowball, 84. Dustin's hair. Nancy's the coolest wingman he could hope for. <laughs> Will and Eleven's kiss to a cool police song. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to have to just say it. I know that's an extremely popular uh, police song, and I was around when that came out. I don't like that song. It's kind of <laughs> creepy. It's kind of stalkery for me. But people love it, and that's great. That's what's great. Um, next is from Kristen Howell. Season two VIP Steve Harrington. Best <laughs> actor on this show, Noah Schnapp. Season two versus season one, just turn it up to 11. The sheer amount of crazy in this season made season one look adorable. Oh, Loved yeah. it. Can't wait for season three. Oh, good notes, Kristen. Thank you. I agree. Andrew Newton. I would say season one definitely remains my personal favorite as it was in my eyes a perfectly realized standalone work. That being said, season two is the next chapter offers thrills and emotion spades and does well to keep the momentum going. While the conclusion is more feel good in many respects, I feel they've actually opened the door to greater exploration to come with how the characters move forward. I have heard season three may be potentially more intimate and character focused and might employ another 80s influence. With the kids starting high school, could this include some more John Hughes inspiration, perhaps? Hmm. Deep thoughts. Possibly. Yeah, they got to get some influence from somewhere, so why not? Des Combs says, I was so bad and binged the whole season as soon as I got home from Atlanta. I wrote notes for every episode and was going to send them in each, each week, but always remembered too late to send them in on time. It's okay, Des. No sweat, man. We're glad you're here. Um, so here it goes. Although, although I may combine the last two episodes just because my brain is foggy. The end of season two was incredible. From Bob's sacrifice to Elle's Jean Grey moment and the most expensive 1980s junior high prom ever. <laughs> <laughs> the Duffer Brothers <laughs> did not miss a beat. Do we all feel a little bit better about F and Ted now that we've met Max's stepdad? Oh, they're kind of like <laughs> polar opposites of each other. Yeah, that's, I keep laughing about it. Most expensive 1980s junior. <laughs> that is right. I did not ever have that many decorations or anything. We didn't have pictures. I don't even think we had punch. <laughs> well, I think my junior high dances was it was in the cafeteria. And there wasn't even like a sound system. It was just a boom box. Oh, and then box. like maybe somebody brought a black light in and they just kept the lights down low. But yeah, it was. And at that age, too, when they bring in a black light, it's like, oh, this shirt's got mustard stains on it. I know. Dang it. Stains are coming through. Your teeth look blue. You're they're glowing or whatever. Oh, my gosh. Thanks, Stephanie. Des, for cracking me up. 
Stephanie M. Fernandez, the extremes of emotion that Joyce and Jonathan are showing experience during Will's exorcism are a nice contrast, with the female character consumed by her anger and need for vengeance, while the male character is distraught and in need of the support, the uh, support, the opposite of what you might expect. That's kind of a twist on what you typically would see as, you know, the the woman being the one that's like, oh, my gosh, and the dude be like, oh, I'll do it. And, you know, they just made it more realistic here where the, the dude's like, oh, God, I can't take this anymore. Yeah. Uh, gosh, Joyce, man, she's a strong female character. Um, yeah, don't mess with Mama Bear. I know. She was amazing. God, Winona Ryder. Can we not just say enough great things about her, please? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, you look at the first couple episodes of the, the first season, I was kind of like, oh, man, it just it feels like she's just not hitting it for me, but. After that point on, she's just been awesome. She has been amazing. I've just I've loved her forever. So I, I just think she does great. <clears throat> Laura Willie Swink says, Wow, this season finale was even more tubular than even last season. <laughs> the scene between Hairband Billy and Karen was priceless. Steve the D, which for me has now become Steve the Dude has quickly become one of my favorite characters. And though I think Nancy and Jonathan are rather sweet together, I still feel heartbroken for Steve. All the groups working together was just the Avengers-style teamwork this finale needed. But it was Joyce's strength and tenacity as a mother that absolutely pulled at my heartstrings. Plus, we finally get to see the snowball. Dustin was looking his very Ducky Dale best. <laughs> <laughs> and Nancy was right. He's going to be a lady killer one of these days. Of all the shows I watched this year, the season of Stranger Things was my favorite, even more so than Game of Thrones' amazing seventh season. Oh, oh wow, wow, Laura, that's that's a strong statement. <laughs> I guess some people could chalk it up to the nostalgia, but this season just felt fully fleshed out and made with sincere heart that just made me so happy. Oh, gosh, Laura, that's a really great um, piece of feedback. I love all your references. I can always count on you uh, to uh, make the same references that I would have had I been giving this feedback. Thank you so much. Love that. Claire, Claire Joanna says, my absolute number one is tied for Mike and Eleven's reunion at the buyer's residence and them dancing and sharing a kiss at the snowball. So sweet. I've already watched season two three times since it was released, <laughs> and I'm still not over Mike and Eleven's bond. I also love Steve and Billy's fight, Max smashing the nail bat between Billy's legs after giving him a shot of tranquilizer, Steve's reaction to waking up in the backseat of Camaro being driven by a 13-year-old. <laughs> Wouldn't that car have been a stick shift? How would she drive that thing? Uh, that's a good point. I don't remember if it was a stick shift or not. I don't remember them being a stick shift in my day. I, I think they probably had both. I mean, they had automatics back then, I'm mm -hmm. sure. Uh, so many things in this episode. I absolutely love it. Also, I wanted to ask you if you either of you had noticed the cover of the book Karen Wheeler was reading about Bill, uh, before Billy showed up at the door. It's Heart of Thunder, which is a real book. Goodness, those titles. <laughs> <clears throat> but it seemed that the Stranger Things crew actually went to the trouble of painting a new cover for it featured the likeness of Dockery Montgomery, who plays Billy on the cover. So Karen would be extra flush when her literal dream man, boy, he is a teenager after all, shows up at her door. I, it took me a second time to, to watch that before I kind of noticed. They do kind of pan on that if you go back and watch. Because um, I had to, I, I read this quickly and I went back and looked and I think you're right, Claire. That was some good eyeballing. Um, checking out the cover of that romance novel, it does almost appear that it, it, it 
I think he's even got this dude, whoever it is on the cover of this romance novel that she's reading, uh, has got the mullet and everything, like nice. Billy's hair, and you would swear that's his face. Um, really good pickup. Thanks for pointing that out. Um, so now we have some emails. Gosh, we've been getting so many great emails. So thank you guys so much for um, writing in. You know, I love seeing seeing the emails as well as the uh, Facebook feedback. So Emily Baglarian, I am so sorry, Emily, if I just butchered your last name. Um, Hi, Rima and Sean. It's your big fan from California again. Sorry, I've waited a week to write. It's because I've been boycotting episode seven. I'm not a fan. I've skipped it every time I rewatch, but I'll admit that listening to your insight made it a bit better. I can appreciate now why this episode was included in the season. You requested for me to write back and let you know if people in Cali say totally tubular nowadays. Sorry to disappoint, but they don't. But oh, I'll, man. Damn it. You California people get on that shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> bring it back. Bring back bring totally ba- tubular. Bring it back. Um, oh, and she says, but I'll try to bring it back for you too. Ah, there we go. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. You've got our back. We love you. Let's see what we can do. Let's make signs and everything. Okay, so here are her thoughts on episode eight. First and most obviously, rest in peace, Bob. I'm still not over it. I saw it coming from a mile away, but still not over it. Billy's backstory is somewhat tragic, but he still sucks and I hate him. Um, laughed out loud when Dustin said that Dart had molted three times and Steve asks, molted? <laughs> laughed even harder uh, when Steve mixes up Germans and Nazis. Dr. Owens isn't such a bad guy after all, huh? Lots of respect for how he stayed back to help the others. I wish they had thought to use fire to fight against the demidogs, but I don't blame them because it took me rewatching the season three or four times to think of that. I'm sure in the moment it wasn't their first thought, but it probably would have been more effective than guns. Can we give a shout out to Finn Wolfhard and Noah Schnapp in this episode? Their acting is unbelievable. When Finn screams what happened after Bob is killed, it gives me chills every time. The scene where they interrogate Noah is also almost haunting with the fluorescent lighting. Am I the only one who thought the kids were going to play a bigger role in the fight against the demodogs? They all rush to the scene and I thought something heroic was going to happen, but they just wait outside. But it's nice to finally have the whole crew back together when they get back to Joyce's house. I love when the phone is ringing and Nancy rips it off the wall and throws it on the ground. You can see that <laughs> that was great. You can see the admiration in Dustin's eyes behind her. Honestly, Nancy is so cool, except for the fact that she chose Jonathan, who looks like a goblin over Steve. Oh. The D. <laughs> D is for delightful. <laughs> Also, I wonder what the phone call was about. We're assuming it was the people that Hopper called. What were they going to say? That's I hadn't thought about that yeah, question. That's, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about who might have been on the other end of that call. That's, thank you, Emily. That was really great. <clears throat> so my top. So this one is from uh, Josh Diwali. So my top five for episode nine, five, Dancing with Nancy. This was just a great booster for Dustin's crushed self-esteem. Those girls shouldn't have judged the growl. Uh, number four, Max and Billy. Max got her spine and put Billy in his place. Sedatives may have helped a little. Three, L closes the gate. Two, closure. The scene with Dart and Dustin and the proof of the connection they made makes you wonder if the demodogs have gained some sense of humanity. 
The art could have killed any of those kids, and he just ate a three musketeers and died peacefully. Aww. The upside down snowball. My only complaint about the show is both seasons seem to climax early, solve the problems of the season, and make everything seem to be all over until the last 30 seconds. Anyway, thanks for the great cast. Merry Christmas, or M- Merry Holidays, Happy Christmas, and now I don't know what to do until season three. Well, John, what, Josh, what you got mm-hmm. is Black Mirror. That's what we're going to be doing next. That's what we're going to be doing next. If you're not already watching, um, we're not going away. So don't don't just think, oh, well, I have nothing to, to listen to until then. We're not going anywhere. Stick around. You love us, right? Um, Caroline Swiney, and again, damn it, I'm horrible with names, so please, if you want to write in and say, damn it, Rima, get get my name <laughs> straight, please do so. I, 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 I welcome it. Um, she says, hey, Rima and Sean, I'm a huge fan of your podcast and also the movie Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Probably have seen it 10 plus times. Yeah, me too. Um, I know the Duffer Brothers had said that they used lots of 80s movies as inspiration for the second season and that one of them was Temple of Doom. I noticed three scenes from season two I thought were pretty direct references to that movie. Number one, Hopper going back to grab his hat before they set fire to the tunnels. Uh, Same as Indy going back to grab his hat before the door to the trap room closes. I agree. Very good. Um, Number two, Nancy and Jonathan talking to themselves about their flaws in separate bedrooms, then meeting in the middle. Same as Willie and Indy doing basically the same thing in the palace. Oh, that's good. Caroline, I hadn't thought of that one. But yeah, you're exactly right. Damn. See, this is why I love it when you guys write in. Um, Number three, Max using a wooden block to drive Billy's car is the same as short round doing the same while driving the getaway car. Oh, my God. That's great. Good callback. Um, Number four, Nancy stabbing Will with a hot iron to get the mind flare out of him. Same callback to short round using a hot torch to release Indy from his evil collie trance. Oh, that was great. She said, also thought it was interesting that Eight's name is Kali, a.k.a. the goddess of destruction from Temple of Doom. Possible foreshadowing for season three? Hmm. Hmm. That was great, Caroline. Yeah, really great callback. I can't believe I totally missed that because, yeah, I've seen, God, Temple of Doom. I can't even tell you how many times I've probably watched it. One of my favorite Indiana Jones movies um, out of all of them. And, uh, God, watching it over and over, that was really great. Thanks for that. See, this is what's so great about you guys writing in. You guys point all the stuff out to us that we miss. Thanks, Caroline. Yeah, now on our rewatch, if we ever go back, you kind of keep that in mind, too. So it's like, oh, what else is there that I might have missed? I know. So much to pick up on. <clears throat> all right, so this is, uh, hi, love your show and ST. I had the same feeling originally about the Mind Flare, Will knowing his location by the ring of the phone at the buyer's residence. But listening to your podcast, it dawned on me, this is the phone that Will somehow was trying to connect his mom from inside the Upside Down in Season 1. Also, Will being the spy in the right side up, but the Mind Flare being mostly in the Upside Down, the Mind Flare can hear the phone ringing in both dimensions, worlds th- through its own ears as well as Will's, and can easily make the connection. Happy holidays, Keith from, I don't know if you want to say where he's from, so we'll just say Keith. Yeah, good thoughts, Keith. Hmm. See, this is why I have to go back and just watch again. So much, so much insight. Thanks, Keith. Okay, so here's another email from Josh Price. Hey, guys. First off, let's just get this out of the way. Holy shit snacks. (laughs) (laughs) All right, back to the business at hand. First off, how about that reunion, huh? 
Woo, Betty Mike has got balls of steel, but I mean, he kind of had a reason to be mad. Was that the coldest shoulder ever given on TV? Elle said, nah, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) The whole scene with Steve trying to get the kids to listen to him kills me. We aren't even in the game. You know what? Okay, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Billy has a point with the creepy factor of finding Max and at Strange House with Steve. But yet again, his treating of Lucas and Max in the scene doesn't justify anything. So... The synth playing as Elle and Hopper have their heart-to-heart, Kill Me Now, is amazing, much like all the music in this show. Also, Hopper's face when she said she went to see Mama was priceless. Elle goes full-on Jean Grey, Dark Phoenix on the Mind Flayer's ass. Nancy dancing with Dustin is a callback to season one, episode one, when Dustin had that crush on her. Oh, good point. Also, Dustin was totally me in middle school. Couldn't get a date if he tried. Damn it, Duffers, you got me again. (laughs) Notice the blue bracelet on Elle's wrist at the dance. Sarah's hair bow that Hopper's been wearing since season one and now belongs to his other daughter and cue the waterworks. Also, the playing of every breath you take during the snowball is kind of a two-sided affair. The one lyric that says, since, you're, since you've gone, I've been lost without a trace. I dream at night, I can only see your face. Is directly speaking about Ellen Mike's relationship over those 353 days. The other side of the coin is that it's the total creeper song. We know it as it plays. <laughs> and we see the shadow monster looming. He's going to watch Elle till he can get his hands, tentacles on her. Hurry up, season three. Thanks for the great pod for the season. Sorry, this was so long, but had a lot in that one episode. Ooh, if you're I give- like that callback to that song. Yeah, it's like the, you know, you see the the mind flare on the other side of the, you know, just kind of rocking back and forth, you know, slow dancing with itself. That's true. I didn't even make that connection. I mean, I know earlier I totally called it a creeper song because that's how I feel about it. It's kind of a stalkery, but that totally does make sense when it's when it flips and you can still hear like the the the, the song kind of playing in a creepy kind of way and how that shadow monster is. Yes, seems to be watching those kids and or L. Uh, he's I think going to make her pay uh, for for closing the gate in season three. Oh man. How do we wait? How do we wait? We wait because we're going to cover uh, Black Mirror and <laughs> and maybe and some other stuff else we can find until then. <laughs> yeah, listen, don't don't just think it's Black, you know, Stranger Things, Black Mirror, we're done. You know, don't give up on us, guys. We have some things in the works. You just need to stay tuned because, well, because we're going to tease you guys a little bit. We're not going to give you everything at once. That's not how this works. So hang with us. Keep following us on social media and watch for those announcements and keep watching. Subscribe to our podcast so that way it downloads. Do that auto download thingamajigger and <laughs> uh, and uh, keep following us and listening to us because we love you guys. We want you to stick with us and we need we need you to help us through this hiatus. So don't be selfish and uh, and stay with us. Help us out. Yep. Well, and thanks everybody again for all the feedback for all of season one and two. And we're excited to get uh, you know the feedback as well for Black Mirror. So. Uh, it's one of my favorite parts to see all the interaction we're getting and all the friendships we're kind of making from this. So, you know, thanks again for all the listener feedback. Yes. Thank you, everyone. It really is, uh, like my favorite part is you guys give us such great insight and thank you for taking the time. It means a lot. All right. So next week we'll be covering the first episode from season four of Black Mirror titled Archangel. Mm. So something with Black Mirror, what I'm going to try a little bit different is I'm not going to give the description of the episode inside of our, you know, at the end of our episodes, because 
Black Mirror is one of those things that I feel is, you know, you you just flip it on, you see the title, mm-hmm. and then you have no idea what's going on. So I'm going to give that a shot. If you guys like it, don't like it, just let us know. Yeah, we want to we wanna know what you think. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, be looking for that. Um, we're so excited for you having traveled to Hawkins, Indiana with us through this journey and uh, covering season two of this. Um, so until the next time, and at least until the next episode where we cover Black Mirror, you can follow us on twitter at strange t cast you can like us on facebook at www.facebook.com slash stranger t cast you can email us at stranger things cast pod at gmail.com you can also find us on the tv time app you can find strange indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like under the comic covers at podcastica.com go out and leave a review for strange indeed or any of the other great Podcastica podcast on Apple podcast. Go do that. There's some fun, fun things happening on Podcastica. So uh, be sure to check that out. Um, also, make sure to check out Sean in his other podcast. Yeah, speaking yes. of fun stuff going on, Ab- check that stuff out. Yeah, so check out The Language of Bromance. It comes out every Sunday. Sean and his co-host are doing some amazing things. Yep, we have it in the show notes. You can find it in your podcatchers. And if you have trouble finding it, let us know and I'll point you in the right direction. Yes, we will. All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 17, Chapter 9, The Gate. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Caroline Swiney is strange indeed. Shit. You're on out, I'm leading the way. Come on, let's go. Come on. Hey, a little hustle.